Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Kel Grant. And uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about a whole smattering of topics yet again. We're going to work through a lot of baseball shit. Um, you may notice at the top of the show that we are missing, once again, Corwin Heller. Uh, he has a growing mask in his throat Josh. and is therefore incapable of coming on. What? That's true. So we're just wishing him the best. We miss you, buddy. Uh, he should be back on his feet in a couple days, but he is not here now. So in his stead, we have, for the second time on the show, my lovely girlfriend, Kel. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And we're going to talk about some baseball shit. You ready? I'm ready. All right. You better be. All right. So one of the first things that I had prepped that I was thinking about that I thought we could talk about is the idea of game score. All right. So not like the literal score of a game pitchers based on their performance, uh, get what's called a game score. Okay. Uh, and I've been, I've been seeing this a lot in my emails from, um, baseball reference. They sent out the stat head emails, which I reference a lot on the show, which are great. I love them. And next to every pitcher's, uh, like final line, they have, a game score, which I've never actually seen anywhere other than a few baseball forums and this email. Like I've never seen them on a broadcast, I don't think. Uh, and I don't think I've ever seen them like or like heard them on like any of the radio shows I'd listen to. Hmm. So I was curious about how it's done. Okay. And it's actually pretty straightforward. Hit me. Okay. So first you start with a baseline of 50 points, okay? So it's not like on a scale of anything. It's just like, here's 50 points, and we're going to work from there, all right? Okay. You add one point for every out. So every time you get an out, you get a point. So that's three points per inning. And these are pitching stats, right? Yeah, this is a way of... It's like a way of like measuring how well a pitcher did. Um, okay. And it's, it really drew my attention a lot because the other day... Uh, the Yankees had a double header, and James Paxson pitched one end of it, and then the next end of it was opened by Chad Green, who's a relief pitcher, and James Paxton threw six innings, and Chad Green threw 1.1 innings, and they actually ended up with the same game score, which was very confusing, right. so I had to look up how it happened. Okay. So, one point per out. You add... Two points for each inning completed after the fourth. You add one point for each strikeout. So that's all of the addition we do. 50 points, one point per out, two points per inning, each inning completed after the fourth, and one point for each strikeout. Subtractions. You subtract two points per hit. You subtract four points for every earned run. You subtract two points for every unearned run. And you subtract one point for every walk. So if we go over to, um, like the the email I got today containing the the pitching performances for all of yesterday's pitchers, mm-hmm. right? Ivan Nova pitched nine innings of zero run ball. All right, where do you think he's going to lie in this? Where, where do you think his pitching, his game score is going to be about? If you had to guess. Nine innings and there were zero runs. Zero runs. That's all I'm going to give you to start. Okay. So the, we're not, you're not telling me like hits or anything like that? Nope. Uh, so nine innings after the fourth. So that's five and you get plus two. So that's 10. So 60. So I'd say like 85. Ooh, you were so close. It was 80. Uh, 80 okay. on the nose. Yeah. So he had, so yeah, nine innings. Which, if you get three points per inning, mm-hmm. that alone is going to be 27 points. Right. You throw that on to the, the 50 you already had, and you're already at 77. Gotcha. Okay. Then you add the two points for each inning after the fourth. So that's the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth. So that's another 10 points. So now we're up to 87. Mm-hmm. He also had three strikeouts. So that's three more points. So now we're up to 90. Mm-hmm. And the only... Um, derogatory marks against him look like um, the hits. 
although I'm sure I'm forgetting something out of this. But regardless, is the hits, and he only had four of them. So I actually ended up, somehow I got to 82 instead of 80, and I don't know how I did it. But, uh, hmm. yeah, fucking go figure. Since he had zero walks, and, uh, but what do you, does, you know, does that seem to make sense to you? So like if I told you, um, so Madison Bumgarner also pitched yesterday. Okay. Seven innings, one earned run, two hits, nine strikeouts, zero walks. His game score was 78, only two points fewer than Ivan Nova's, who mm-hmm. pitched nine innings with zero earned runs. Right. But the reason that they're so close is because Ivan Nova had only three strikeouts, whereas Madison Bumgarner threw nine strikeouts. Yeah. And Ivan Nova let up four hits, whereas Madison Bumgarner only let up two hits. Yeah, that makes sense. So that seemed to, that seemed to flow to you? Mm-hmm. Why do they start with 50 points, though? Where does that 50 come from? Uh, that's probably just to make this look a little bit... Um, Closer to like it would be on a scale to 100. Okay. You know, it's relatively arbitrary, but it probably looks more familiar, you know? So that way you can look at it and be like, oh, 80, that's pretty high. Because, you know, I know that this is probably only going to be like, there's only a handful of games that have approached 100, I'm pretty sure. Right. Um, or I think there's one game that's gone over 100. Um, because since it's not actually out of 100, you can. Mm-hmm. But if I had to guess, that's what I, because if there was also, like, you can, you can have a game score below 50. But if you didn't add those 50 sure. points, it'd be negative. And then it's like, all right, what am I looking at here? Right, right, right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many... Like, you were asking me about FIP last night. And FIP has this constant in it that's only there to make it look more like ERA. Mm-hmm. Just so you know how to read it. And that's... The stats will do that pretty frequently. Just give them something for some readability. Got it. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do <laughs> you want to move on? Let's do it. All right. So... Uh, let's let's move in. We have, like I said, I have a whole bunch of things here, so I'm just going to kind of be picking at random. Okay. So let's move in to um, teams who swing the most. And uh, this is kind of... So we did chase rate like a while ago, and chase rates for when you swing at balls that are like... We did in the zone, and then we did out of the zone, and we did batting average based on each one, and it was a really interesting little topic. We did it on the player level, so what I was curious about, though, is swinging and not chasing, swinging. Okay. And you often see like players like this player X has like lowered his swing percent and his walk rate is like way up. Right. Or, um, you know, player Y swings at everything and his strikeout rates really high, but he has a good hitting. I just want to know if you are a team that like and we're doing it on the team levels because I figured it'd be easier. Okay. If you are a team that swings a lot, how are you doing? You know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's, yeah. What teams swing a lot? Well, uh, Detroit, which is not a good start. (laughs) Detroit swings looking like the most. They swing the bat over 50% of the time, which is high. Um, Yeah. And that's not good because Detroit's offense isn't good. Like if we go over to uh, standard team batting here, which I have up on um, Baseball Reference, Detroit, uh, their OPS is 78. Oh, OPS plus, I should say. That's awful. That's second worst in all of baseball, just behind the Miami Marlins. Right. And if we try to find Miami on this list, because it's not alphabetical, which is kind of annoying, they swing... Eh, 47.9% of pitches, which is a touch above league average, so it sounds like they're just not making the most of it. Um, The team that swings raw, like has the most swings by just volume, not percentage, is Boston. And their offense is pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. Their problem this season has mostly just been pitching. Boston coming in at a 109 OPS+, plus, which is good for fifth place by the looks of it. Um, Let's see. My New York Yankees, yeah, our boys, mm-hmm. the people's team, <laughs> uh, they have a 120 OPS plus as, plus as a team. Do you think that they're going to end up be swinging the bat a lot, a little, or middle of the road? And what was Boston again? What was there? Boston was fifth, and they 
swung the bat the most, but as a percentage, we're relatively middle of the pack. The league average percent for this is 47.03. Okay. And Boston swung the bat at 47.5% of the pitches that they faced. Hmm. But what was their OBS plus? It was 109. So and the Yankees are what? 120. 120. Yeah, we're, we're way better than those posers. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to say we swing the bat more. So apparently we swing it considerably less. Really? Yeah. Um, New York swings at 46.2% uh, at the total number of pitches that they see. So that might sound like it's a little bit because it's only like 1.3 actual percentage points. Considering the margins we're working with, it's actually a pretty sizable amount since most of these teams fall within the 47.5 range, 47, 48.5 range. Okay. So I'm having a hard time deciphering if I think this actually means anything because it seems like teams are kind of all over the place. Right. Boston's a little bit above. Detroit's a little bit above. Those are both teams that are one team that's very good, one team that's very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami's a little bit below um, New York's a little bit below. Those are also both teams that are very good and very bad. So I'm not sure I'm, I'm really finding much meaning out of it, but I did think it was it was one of those questions where I wanted it to mean something. Yeah. I really did. And so far, I just don't think it does. Well, now we know. Well, I was wondering if, like, you know, like the teams that swing the most, are they going to have a higher slugging percent? You know, mm-hmm. because slugging is going to take away... You know, like your batting average and everything. It's going to only be like, all right, out of the pitches you hit, what'd you do with them? Mm-hmm. You know? But it really seems like it's just no. So, like, all right, let's 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 sort out by slugging instead. Minnesota is our top slugging team. All right? They are slugging uh, 497, which is eight points above New York. And Minnesota is swinging the bat at... 48.7% of the uh, the pitches that they face, which is above league average. Right. But then you have, right after that, New York, They we said earlier, they're swinging below league average. And then you have Houston, uh, third in slugging percent, and they're way down at 45.3% of pitches swung at. So that mm. you could just say with that point, they're making the most out of the pitches that they're hitting and just choosing not to hit pitches that they don't think are worth it. Right. Which is a good strategy. But then you have teams like, um, well, all right, hold on, maybe, maybe, actually, now that I'm looking at it, maybe Boston's the the odd man out here. Let's look at the bottom of this list. Okay. All right, Miami is, <laughs> Miami is slugging, three sixty seven. That's bad. That's really bad. Yikes. That's, that is not good. Yeah, yeah. Yikes is definitely right here. And they're swinging just above league average of forty seven point nine percent of of the time. All right, then Detroit. They're slugging 387, and they're swinging the bat 50.1% of the time. That was the most. Mm-hmm. Then Chicago is slugging 396. I didn't realize Chicago was slugging that poorly. That's really, really not good. And they're swinging 49.1% of the time. All right, so so well far, above. all these teams have been above. Hmm. Let's keep it going a little bit. Ooh, let's look at Baltimore. I'm actually surprised Baltimore is not last in the league on this. Baltimore is slugging 412. I think all of that's probably Trey Mancini. Um, who's their one one of their only players worth a damn? Mm. Uh, I know that name does not mean much to you right it now, does not. but that's okay. He's very good. He, I hope he lives through the rebuild in Baltimore because I think he's deserved it. Forty seven point nine. So they're also slightly above above average. Now now I might be coming back around. Yeah. Now I might be thinking I'm onto something here. Making some sense of these numbers. I just want to know. I just want to. So all right, hold on. Oh, the Dodgers. The Dodgers are below. The Dodgers are below by a lot. 44.9% of their pitches swung at. And they have a very good offense. I don't know. I don't know. What do you... Th- uh, Toronto's below. Their offense isn't bad. Philly's below. Their offense isn't bad. I'm... I'm oh, Seattle. Seattle's there, and Seattle's not good. Maybe I just talked myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that inconclusive. Okay. That's fair. What I hoped to get out of it was something along the lines of... Uh, is swinging going to pertain... I just want to see some correlation between swinging and either slugging, OPS, or like strikeouts and walks. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's relatively all over the place. At the end there, I'm thinking maybe, maybe there might be a touch. 
uh, in favor for teams not swinging as much. We've we've often heard about balanced approaches, taking your walks, only swinging at pitches you think you can do damage on, and that mm-hmm. could be true. Maybe team age, like player age per team, might be a factor there too. Young players okay. tend to swing more often than older players do. Older players have that good batter's eye, right. you know. But uh, I don't know. You you see anything in there that that meant anything to you there, Cal? No, Joshua, I did not. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Ready to move on to the next thing? Let's do it. Uh, the next of the 7,000 StatCast tabs I have open. <laughs> uh, you wanted to look at sprint speed. You were curious about how fast people are. Yeah, because I know when we were watching um, some of the Yankees games that like there are really fast players, and you've told me that like if that were anybody else, like they wouldn't have gotten to first base. And then it also takes into account um, if there's an error and the ball is late getting to first and things like that. But some of them have been really close calls. So I was wondering how much speed actually has to do with it. So what in your mind is going to be, do you, do you have any reference for what, no, what fast is in baseball? I don't. Yeah. I, it, it's kind of a tough sport for that okay. because it's just very specific. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's these very precise distances for things and, um, it's like, how fast can you go from plate to plate? But that's kind of... Even that, I wonder if it's, if, it's, is, if it's a really good measurement. Because plate to plate, it's 90 feet. Okay. Everyone's running more than 90 feet, though. Because mm-hmm. no one's running linearly. Everyone's running at a curve. Because you've got to be ready to take your next base. The only base that I think players might be running in a more linear fashion is first or second. Everything else... You're pretty much getting ready to make a turn, which means you're running more than 90 feet. Right. So I think a 90-foot sprint is pretty useless. Okay. But, yeah, baseball is weird with that. So apparently, apparently, the fastest player in baseball is Tim LaCastro, the left fielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, I'm not sure I know who he is. So (laughs) Well, I certainly don't. Yeah, like the, the next few I know, like Trey Turner for Washington's apparently tied for second fastest with Byron Buxton and Miles Straw, and like I know those people, mm-hmm. but I gotta say, by and large, I'm not fully familiar with a lot of who these dudes are. Um, what I am interested in, though, is if we could deviate off of uh, sprint speed to another metric that Statcast has here: f- home plate to first base. It apparently changes. Oh, okay. Because, I like I said, sprint speed is like, it's. I think they use it for like you like really chugging around the bases, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas home plate to first also involves like how fast can you get from just those stations? Like how fast can you break from your swing and go into your run to actually touch first base? Right, which yeah. would be different than your just. Right, because like some players, yeah. I'm sure have like a higher sprint speed because they can like pick up speed as they're running more. Okay. Whereas some players might just be faster out of the gate, and that's kind of right in mm-hmm. that our top five changed. So our original top five for sprint speed is Tim LaCastro, Miles Straw, Byron Buxton, Trey Turner, and Isaac Galloway of Miami. Okay. When we do it as home plate to first instead. Our top five is now number one, Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers, which mm-hmm. is an interesting addition. Then Tim LaCastro, Miles Straw, Byron Buxton, and Kevin Kiermeyer. So it does change. Both of those guys who have like good sprint speeds, like they're they're both like top end sprint speeds, mm-hmm. but their actual um I guess I guess that specific stretch of their running ability is just so much better than the rest of it. And in my yeah. mind, I think that's probably the more useful one. Home plate to first. Yeah, because getting on base is always going to be more valuable than not getting on base. Okay, yeah. But getting to second, like say you're legging out a double, is never going to be... like The the value of being on first as compared to back in the dugout will always be more than the value of being on second as compared to being on first. Right, okay. Obviously, second second base is more valuable... But being on first is infinitely more valuable than sitting down. Right. Okay. Not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more questions particular to sprint speed? Well, yeah. What's the actual speed? 
Oh, I didn't say it, did I? No, you didn't. All right. <laughs> so the 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 fastest man in in baseball, Tim LaCastro, thirty point six feet per second. Okay. So if there's ninety feet between bases, it takes him a little under three seconds, three seconds. to go from base to base. But then, what's his home plate to first? Three point nine six. Three point nine six which I'm assuming is seconds. Right. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, so he has like a slightly slower, I guess, um, home to first time because he didn't build up speed yet. Like right. you have to go out of a dead um, standstill, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that seems to flow pretty well. Let's see who the slowest is. Who? Ooh. <laughs> it's got to be catchers. Oh, it's a lot of catchers. Catcher, first base, DH, catcher, DH, first base. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The slowest guy's Brian McCann. Yeah, that makes sense. What's he running? 22.1 feet per second. That's awful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> running doesn't describe what Brian McCann does. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, the bottom five is... Um, Brian McCann, Albert Pujols, Yadi Molina, Wilson Ramos, and AJ Reed, who I don't even know who that is. Hmm. Um, wow, what a bottom five. So many catchers. So many. Bobby Wilson, Austin Allen, Sandy Leon, uh, Chad Wallach. Ooh, can I look at just catchers? I wonder if any of them are actually good at this. I can. All right, hmm. babe. This is the only time I think Gary Sanchez is going to be like a leader. All right, let's see. I'm really hoping here that Gary Sanchez, because he always gets, I always hear that he's a, he's he's a quicker catcher. Let's see if that, oh, he might actually have, not have enough plate appearances to, to measure up on this, does he? Austin Romine, Kyle Higashioka. Ooh, he spent time on the DL, IL, sorry. Hmm. I made a mistake. Yeah, ooh. So I'm, what's the fastest catcher? All right, the fastest catcher based on um, only 10 minimum opportunities. Gary Sanchez has to be on this list then. Regardless, the fastest catcher is Jorge Alfaro, actually, of the uh, Miami Marlins, followed by JT Real Muto of the Philadelphia Phillies, and then uh, Garrett Stubbs of the Houston Astros. And they clock in, respectively, at 28.8 feet per second, 28.6 feet per second, and 27.9 feet per second, which is actually, that's pretty quick. Right, I mean, based on the the lowest being twenty two feet per second. So, yeah, yeah, that's actually that's pretty fast. Yeah, so so Brian McCann's twenty two point one is still the worst because he's still a catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a full six seconds longer or slower than the top guy, and his home plate to first is five seconds, whereas Jorge Alfaro's is four point three. That's actually pretty considerable, huh? Okay. Okay. Here's another question. So what position in baseball requires you to have speed? Would that be shortstop? Um so that's that's an interesting question. I would say center field. Okay. Probably the most. Shortstop you need to be quick, but you don't necessarily need to run fast. Okay. Because you don't have a lot of area to cover. But you, the area you do have to cover, you have to be able to cover quickly. Mm-hmm. Center field, you need to cover a lot of area, and you need to do it quickly. Okay. So usually your fastest guys. So like if we if we go back to um like the all positions, um like we had it set to before, and I read out some of the, I'm gonna bet it's gonna be a lot of outfielders. Okay. Because center field the most, but like in general, outfielders need to be able to be all over the place. So Mm -hmm. just reading out like the top five to 10 positions here, left field, Mm -hmm. shortstop for Trey Turner, center field, shortstop for Miles Straw, center field, center field, left field, center field, left field. Got it. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of outfielders. You you need need to be able to get to the ball, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. I countered an error. Damn it. Baseball savant. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think baseball savant's just telling me, man, go Get outside. <laughs> yeah, you've done this too much. Aww. Try again later. All right. So one of the other things I wanted to look at was uh, the shift. Okay. What is the shift? That I don't know. Please explain it to me. I got you. All right. So 
it's been around for a very long time, but it's been very much so more popular in the last decade, 15 years or so. Okay. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have been one of the biggest proponents of it, but now pretty much every team in baseball does it. The idea is that players tend to hit the ball in certain spots, okay. right? So if J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox comes up, based on his life's history of hitting, mm-hmm. he tends to hit the ball in the infield to these specific spots. Right. Right, these quadrants, these sections. Whereas if... um. Justin Upton comes up of the Angels, he tends to hit the ball in different spots or the same spots. doesn't matter. So what the shift is, is it's saying, well, let's take that data we have of where he puts the ball and put fielders there instead of having them be in their traditional spot. Right. So instead of, you know, third third base, shortstop, second, and first all standing in their traditional spots, let's say move the shortstop uh, to where the second baseman is, move the second baseman into like a shallow right field Mm -hmm. and then put the third baseman where the shortstop goes or like some combination of that. Right. So that way you have more fielders covering the area where the ball gets put more often based on this hitter's particular spray chart. Right. They showed us something like that during the game, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's one of of my uh, more... Uh, one of the, one of the parts of the broadcast I'm really glad is getting added because I think it's really going to hit the nail on the head in terms of explaining to older and newer fans as mm-hmm. to why this this the um the shift is there because a lot of old time fans don't like it because they think it's like you know analytics ruining the game mm. when it's just being smart yeah <laughs> so I wanted to look at just out of curiosity. What the shift has been looking like for teams this season okay. in terms of its effectiveness. So what I did was I looked up ground balls. Uh, we'll do ground balls and line drives because the shift kind of covers both. So ground balls that went for a base hit just in general in the MLB. And actually, this one was for sprint speed, but that's okay. And what I'm trying to see here is like, you know, who's doing it? Mm-hmm. How often is it being done? And then we'll we'll kind of subtract out from there as we get more generalized. If my search ever decides to load, we're looking at teams, right? Or... Oh, I put it in as batters. There's so many fields. It's too many fields. It needs to be fewer fields. Yeah, I've never actually seen you uh, pull this page up, but that looks like a lot of drop down menus. It's it's the most drop down menus <laughs> in the world. So you know what? We'll get back to it. Let's okay. look at some team stuff. All right. So for this, I'm looking at, um, I have it set to singles, doubles, and triples, because the only thing I don't want is a home run, because that has to be a, uh, pretty much a fly ball, okay. with the exception, I guess, of like little league home runs and in-the-park home runs. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at ground balls and line drives with poor to weak contact, um, with the shift on as a team, all right? So who, what team has basically, what this amounts to, what team has beaten the shift the most? And the answer is the Texas Rangers. They're the most successful with the shift? Or they're, no, they're the most successful as beating the shift. How many hits... As batter, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah does yeah. this team have, with the shift on, hmm. with balls that you would usually quantify as being balls that would be caught by the shift? Right. Right? And, you know, I, 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 I was, you know, kind of questioning the whole contact level part. Because, you know, you can hit the ball really hard. But I wanted to try to find a way to make this very specific to where the shift would capture it. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought maybe by setting it to poor weak contact might be like the wrong way of looking at it. Because you can hit a ball very hard into the shift and still get it, make it made an out. Make a hit. Oh, yeah. um, but at the same time, if I have it set to like line drive, then you could go over players' heads. It might not count, etc. But anyway... This is where we're at. Okay. So even though the Texas Rangers have beaten the shift in this way the most, it's still only 12 times they've done it throughout the season thus far. That's not a lot. Oh, wow. That's very, very few. Um, actually, the fewest on here is a three. It's a four-way tie between the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Chicago White Sox, the Miami Marlins, and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the worst mm-hmm. name in baseball. <laughs> With only three, only three times they've done. So this is this is apparently, at least in the parameters I have it set as, is a very difficult thing to do. 
Um, if we were to take away the the contact element, I can get back to you with what that would look like. But it's it's seemingly from from the jump here pretty effective. If the most times a shift has been beaten in that way is twelve, right? That seems to be exactly what you're going for by putting the shift on. So is a shift in uh, a defense that is played during the entire game for a team or just for, for one specific batter. players? For one batter. Okay. Yeah. But I'm doing it as a team because it's just going to aggregate better. Okay. I don't need to know how many times Jorge Alfaro beat the shift. Right, right, right. Because then I need to sit there and do like a lot more math than is necessary. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's now look at it where it results in any kind of out, mm-hmm. about any kind of out, a ground ball and, a, and or a line drive. We contact with the shift on, and it results in an out. The team that has hit into the most of these outs is the Texas Rangers. As, again. We've hit into 31 of them. Hmm. So even if we take it with just these two types, right, just these two um, very specific, very, very specific, uh, like, parameter-wise instances, mm-hmm. you can already see how different it is. Basically, the, the Texans, uh, the, Texans, the Rangers, have only beat the shift in quotes twelve times, whereas they have fallen subject to the shift thirty-one times. It's a nineteen-time discrepancy, right? And you will take that. You you can basically say that you have taken away a net nineteen hits, and mm-hmm. I think you know. If, if we change out these parameters a little bit with, like I said, the quality of contact, maybe there's just a better way of using these drop-downs than I am okay. to make these numbers... That w- the only way to make them... Um, you can't really make it smaller from here without making sense, but you can definitely make it larger. You can definitely see just based on that small trend right there, this is worth it. Especially for a team like the Rangers, apparently, who are falling subject to this many times. So the Rangers have only seen this 43 times? The shift. Oh, no, they've probably seen it more. Again, this comes down to, like, you know, this is also for only balls put in play. Players will get shifted and then strike out. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is also only for ground balls and line drives. Players will see the shift and then hit a home run, hit a pop-up, hit uh, any other type of fly ball. Right. You know, so this is parameter-wise very specific. And they've seen, I'm very sure, just from Joey Gallo, they've seen it way more times than this. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, here's the the team that's uh, hit into the fewest shifts is still the Chicago White Sox with only three? They only have three outs in this fashion, which is fucking bizarre. Hmm. So I guess for them, they are uh, immune to the shift? I don't know. (laughs) So I removed the quality of contact part of this to see which team has the most um, hits with the shift on. Mm -hmm. Ground ball, line drive. But other than that, hits. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a huge difference, as now oh, the Minnesota wow. Twins have 263, whereas before the Texas Rangers led this list with 12. Right. Uh, the reason being, in my mind, is that a lot of line drives go over players' heads, and no shifts would beat that. So that's why I didn't want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's what that says, in case you were wondering. Got it. So then I wanted to look at hits that were a ground ball... And or a line drive mm-hmm. with poor to weak contact on no shift standard defensive alignment. Okay, just to see in reference to the shift how it compares. Right? How it compares. Okay. And Washington leads this list with twenty-seven hits with a standard defensive alignment. Hmm. Whereas, like I said previously, the Texas Rangers led this list with only twelve hits with the shift on. Right. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. Texas is actually 26th in baseball with only six hits in defense with 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 a, a standard defensive alignment and that's probably because they see a lot of shifts. Yeah. Um wow, uh the bottom of this list is fascinating. Uh so Texas is 26th with six. Uh tied with um Toronto who also only has six and Cincinnati who only has six and then second to last is the Yankees. With five, and then last place is the Angels with two. Wow. Which is, how do you only have two hits? I understand, like, the other parameters, Mm -hmm. but, like, the fact that it can go from being 27 with the Washington Nationals to two for the the Angels. Right. Maybe they just get shifted a lot, too. I don't know. 
But regardless, you can see, like, these are the exact same parameters outside of the defensive alignment. The exact same. Mm-hmm. And the numbers, in general, are larger. Yeah. So, the, so far, we're speaking to the shift already. Mm-hmm. The number of outs with a standard defensive alignment. I just want to pull up for the, the shifted numbers. And this is going to be a lot more. This, however, will be on account of reps. Okay. So... As we see, so the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals have generated the most outs on ground balls and line drives with poor to weak contact, with no shift, standard defensive alignment, with 126 uh, outs achieved, or I guess outs surrendered. Yeah, since this is from the batting perspective, uh, they have done it 126 times. So that's not. So they still got it a hit. No, no, no this is or, an out. This oh, is okay, an out. okay, okay. Yeah, uh, they they did that on. A total of um, 17,568 pitches, which is just like that's you know, like how many times they um, saw a pitch with, with this set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the, ooh, actually, actually, ooh, this is interesting. What's going on? Um, the outs that the Rangers were um, led up to, it says 18,444 pitches of such type, whereas the um, Nationals, or the, the Cardinals, are working with 17,000. That's a huge difference in not the right direction. That's very interesting. I wonder why the... Maybe... See, now I'm wondering just how often the shift is laid on. Right. Because the Cardinals have done a phenomenal job of playing... Uh, getting outs mm-hmm. without using the shift. Or I guess I should say the Carlins have been doing a great job of hitting into outs where there's been no shift, since this is from the batting perspective. Right. 126 times, which leads me to believe maybe the Cardinals are just severely undershifted. Or, um, or just, sorry, don't need a shift. Their batters are severely spray hitters, or their batters are just a terrible job at getting... Uh, pulled shots that would achieve a need for a shift because this is not what I was expecting. Right. Because so far, for the first three of these, it was pretty on the nose for what I was going for. Mm-hmm. This one is fascinating. So the Washington Nationals have hit uh, into 123 outs uh, with a standard defensive alignment. Okay. The Dodgers have hit into 117 outs in a standard defensive alignment. At the bottom of this list, the least frequent team to hit into outs with the standard defensive alignment is Toronto, the Yankees, the Angels, the A's, and Boston. This is fast. I don't know what to make of this. I have no idea what to make of this. I, I'd have to assume that the teams here at the bottom are the teams that are going to get shifted on the most. So a standard defensive alignment for them probably won't achieve as many outs as a team that isn't getting shifted on more. Right. But now now I would love to find a way to see what team just shifts the most. Hmm. Give me give me some thoughts on this, Cal, while I try to throw something together. Oh man. Yeah, I'm putting you on you... <laughs> the spot. Um, okay. Well, at the bottom <laughs> of the list with with Boston they had um 19,000 pitches, which is like 2,000 more pitches than the top of the list. Does that mean anything? Um, It just means, I guess, that they had more opportunity in that realm. Okay. But achieved fewer outs. Okay. So it probably says that they're pretty good. It, pro- it says that they probably should have been shifted on more mm-hmm. since they generated fewer outs on more opportunities. Right. You know? So yeah. they generated fewer outs on more opportunities in a standard Defensive alignment, which means that they probably should have had more opportunities with a shift on to generate more outs. They, right. So th- if so, that would if I'm interpreting if I'm interpreting this right, that is a team that has been undershifted. Right. Okay, that makes sense. The other thing I'm wondering is what players um, like require the shift the most. Like, is there a list generated? Of- Typically, it's left-handed hitters. Okay. Because the the left side of the infield third base and shortstop, mm-hmm. those are typically your two best defenders. Okay. Your right side is first base and second base. Your first baseman is usually not a good fielder. He's Mike very he's, 
He's gonna be really yeah, Mike 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 Ford the most important thing you need from the defense of your first baseman is to pick the ball. To mm-hmm. get it after it bounces off the dirt, to just keep a foot on the bag and stretch somewhere and grab it out of the air. It's not a lot of motion. Mm-hmm. Your second baseman is usually a good defender. You know, it's usually someone who got moved off a of short because they are like, we're a good defender, but not good enough for short. Right. Um, but the the idea there being that you just need a third guy, especially okay. if there's like someone on base so that your first baseman can hold him. So there's a lot of like uncovered territory there. Mm-hmm. So typically it's left-handed hitters like Bryce Harper, uh, Joey Gallo. I'm trying to think of more. Okay. And I'm struggling. It's okay. Didi Gregorius. But um, it, it depends. It, it, it It's usually left-handed batters that, that see it the most. So then I wonder what... Because you're saying a team like Boston is undershifted? Apparently, from if I'm if I'm getting it right, I, I that's what I'm thinking. So then I wonder where that wh- who makes that decision. By the way, uh, typically, like the analysts that work with the team, like ultimately, quote unquote, the manager. Okay. But really, it's uh, the analytics nerds in in the front office hmm. will like issue a scouting report and say you need three defenders on the left side against Vlad Guerrero Jr. Because he pulls the ball a lot. Got it. Oh, no, that's true, but that that's just an example. Okay. All right, so I pulled up a search for batters mm-hmm. um, grouped by team okay. who have been shifted the most. And it appears as though Toronto is the most shifted team in baseball. Hmm. Uh, our top five here is Toronto, Texas, L.A., Dodgers, Cleveland and then LA Angels, Angels of Anaheim because go fuck themselves. <laughs> and those are the teams that have been shifted the most. So this is so fascinating. If we go over to our with the shift on stats, I wonder if this if we can if we can look at it um, side by side to make anything out of it. Um, so which team has got the most hits with the shift on? With my, we'll take away. I'm gonna I'm gonna just have the shift on and I'm gonna do any type of hit, any type. I'm gonna take away my 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 line drive ground ball. I'm gonna take away my contact element. It's just batter hits. I'll include home runs again. Let's just let's just see how that does, and then I'll do it again for outs. I'll take away all other parameters, and we'll just see. Because now I wanna I want this as pure in the veins <laughs> as possible. Okay. I'm I feel like I'm losing all sense <laughs> of how the shift works <laughs> and I need validation. <laughs> okay. So Minnesota le- still leads all of baseball with hits with the shift on. Okay. 375. Mm-hmm. That seems like a lot. Minnesota has been shifted um 6th most in baseball 5883 times. So okay. you have the most hits or the most outs, most the most hits, most hits for being the sixth most, most shifted. shifted team. Okay. So since they've been shifted so much, though, I have to assume that they'll also appear near the top of the list for outs given up mm-hmm. with the shift on. Let's find out. All right. They do. They're fourth. Okay. Nine hundred eighty-two outs with the shift on. Okay, and Toronto's first. All right. So hold on. Let's do this. Ooh, this top six is. This top six is the same top six. Yeah. The top six for teams that have been shifted. Toronto, Texas, LAD, Cleveland, LAA, Minnesota. The top team sixes that have made outs with the shift on. Toronto, Texas, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Minnesota, LAD, LAA of A. Wow. That's the... And then Chicago's number seven on both as well. Philly's number eight on both as well. Ooh, yeah. Oh, this tastes good. Okay. Okay, we're back. Oh, we are back. So, so those are uh, those are those are what I was expecting to say. Okay. So how about the bottom of the list? And for which one? For cuz I remember Boston being at the bottom for most outs. Yeah, they were at the bottom for most outs without the shift on, which I've now oh. like fucked all my searches, so I'm not going to do it again cuz it would take so so long. Got to, got to. Um but now maybe we can get a little bit more accurate depiction of what I was talking about with which team has beat the shift the most. So okay. it, 
So Minnesota is probably going to be the answer to that because they've been shifted sixth most in baseball and they have the most hits, hits. with the shift on. So that would make a lot of sense. And where are they on the outs list? Sixth as well. They okay. did, yeah, they, they were they were sixth for both, I think. I think. Yeah. Or no, uh, they were fourth for outs. Okay. So they gave up the fourth most outs but got the first most hit. They got the most hits. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, then the Dodgers, the Angels, Toronto, and Chicago have all also gotten the most, uh, that's that's the rounding out the top five for most hits with the shift on, Mm -hmm. and those are all also teams that appear in the top five for having seen the shift. So that also seems to make sense. So who's on the bottom of our list for just not beating the shift? Oh, that makes so much sense. Wow. Okay. Uh, It's Detroit, (laughs) 26. The Nationals, which is really surprising, at 27. Um, The White Sox at 28. The Pirates, I'm sorry, Corwin, at 29, <laughs> and the uh, Marlins are the worst in general and also here. Um, although, to be fair, they actually are at the bottom of the list for seeing the shift as well. It's actually all of those same five teams. Hmm. So now it just feels a little bit more one-to-one than I was expecting. This might have to be something that gets expanded upon in a future episode because may. I am in such a rabbit hole right now. And I don't know how to get out of it, but I want to find my way. Okay. Um, do you have any questions in regards to the the shift conversation thus far? I think I asked all my questions. I did. I did want to know. Um, oh, okay. Here's one question: Are they? Are you allowed to decide whether you want to play defensively if you want to use the shift during the game, like? Can you switch back and forth Absolutely. with your defense? The defense will switch based on the pitch, oh. based on the count. Wow, okay. Yeah, because you might want to shift, but it might be a good situation mm-hmm. for where the um, uh, the batter would want to bunt. So you'll like you'll leave your third baseman in really close to protect against the bunt, mm-hmm. have everyone else on like the right side of the infield. But then once two strikes come on, a bunt, a bunt that goes foul with two strikes is actually a strikeout. It's not a foul ball. Um, so in that case, because the odds of a player bunting go down by so much because it becomes so much more risky, right. the third baseman will, like, will no longer sit there. Like He'll go back to um, wherever he would have been with the shift on, and then you know that's an instance of it changing within an at-bat. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that happens with it that way. So... So basically, all right. So in basketball, if you're set in a defense, you can change it whenever you want at whatever yeah. play. It doesn't matter if the ball's in play, out of play. Um, and you and sometimes what teams will do is set up in like one specific defense, and as the ball is is coming across half court, then switch to man to kind of throw off the the offense. Um, does that happen in baseball where they're set for something in one at a certain pitch, or do they have? Does the defense have to be set before the pitcher sets up? Um. No, the defense can move around as much as they want. Okay, does that happen often? Where they're like trying to like psych out a batter or something? Um, it's more so you'll see it for players trying to psych out a base runner. Oh, okay. So if like if like there's someone leading off a second base, like obviously they don't want him to steal third because if you're the team that is pitching, a runner on third is significantly worse than mm-hmm. a runner on second. Right. And so what you might see is you might see the second baseman, because the second baseman doesn't hold a player to the bag, okay. um, or a shortstop for that matter. So you might see the second baseman or shortstop playing their natural position, but then to fuck with the runner, they'll run towards second base like there's about to be a pickoff attempt, even if there isn't going to be one, just to try to get the runner to go back. Right. And you can do that whenever you want. Okay. So I've almost got something interesting here, which is a really stupid sentence. <laughs> but um, it's the one I'm going with. Okay. Also about the shift? Uh, yeah, it's to answer uh, a question you had previously. And unfortunately, I just have so many tabs open that my computer isn't going very fast. But mm-hmm. ah, here we go. So out of players who have seen at least 300 pitches in the MLB this year, as a percent of um, pitches that they've seen, uh, how often they've been shifted? Okay. The leader is, as I said, Joey Gallo. Mm-hmm. He is the poster child for shifting. <laughs> he is okay. a massive left-handed hitter. Huge power, never bunts. Hmm. He is the 
poster child for shifting. Um, he has been shifted in 94% of his at-bats. Sorry, 90, 94% of the, of the pitches he has faced. Wow. Which is um, just fucking colossal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then it's Alex Avila, Chris Davis, uh, Crush Davis, Baltimore Orioles Davis, Jay Bruce, and Curtis Granderson, which is... Um, that's interesting. I don't know what to make of that, but uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah. So go figure. But the, the, if, if you were wondering, Cal, who is the most shifted man in baseball? Joey Gallo. As I said, <laughs> as he is the poster child of mm. Joey Gallo. So the shift only happens in, with the infield players, correct? Yeah, uh, well, so... You can do it with the uh, outfield players. There's mm. the the five man outfield. There's having like the center fielder shifted over towards like right center or left center, depending on pull tendencies for fly balls. Mm. But it's most famous for being with the uh, with the infield. Okay. All right. Anything else before we kind of wrap it up? No, you've answered all my questions about the shift. I've learned. More today about baseball than I have in my entire life. So. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> All right. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And if you want to uh, see the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers.Wixsite.com slash website. Keep your eyes open. We will be doing a collaborative episode with the guys at Sports Trebuchet in the upcoming weeks and uh, possibly more news to follow on some other exciting stuff. Things are happening. Consider yourself in on the ground floor, folks. Uh, uh, Yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, until Monday, y'all have a good one.